We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Haw along with Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock as we are 52 Saturdays a year talking baseball. And on Friday, Bruce. A ballpark reopened, a city reopened, and a fan base rejoiced because Anthony Rizzo, uh, with the home run that tied the game, made that moment uh, indelible and that victory special for the Cubs. And then for baseball fans who hung on and watched the the last out of the White Sox game, uh, late Friday night, the Sox hang on against the Tigers to win in extra innings. Two first-place teams. Doesn't get much better than Friday in a baseball city. Yeah, David, it was a great, uh, great baseball day for Chicago. Uh, funny uh, how it, it uh, you know, began with a beautiful day, ended with a, a rainstorm, but uh, all worked out well for both Chicago teams. And as David said, we're here for you on Inside the Clubhouse every week from 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year. David and I talk Cubs and Sox and, uh, you know, getting into uh, – the day. Let's uh, let's start with the Cubs, David. Where where would you like to begin with them? Well, I think it's one of those days, Bruce, that a lot of people will remember as sort of a, a mile marker in a season that they hope becomes even more special. Um, but um, when you reflect back yesterday, so uh, thirty five thousand people. I think that was the attendance. Twice as many will say they were there in years to come. But I think everybody was waiting for, you know, that that moment and to get back to normalcy, if you will. And the Cubs fell behind, so they start clawing back. It's 5-4. to four. Anthony Rizzo's at the plate. And a 14-pitch at bat, Bruce. And on the 14th pitch, he homers and ties the game. And at that moment, I think you got a feeling there was no way the Cubs were going to lose this game. And I guess from your perspective, I'm curious. You've been around a long time, and I know I, I nod to your experience a lot. But when you think of meaningful regular season moments and games and victories at Wrigley Field, how does this compare to others you've, you've uh, covered? 
Well, I mean, there there have been a lot of them over the years. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is um, uh, after uh, uh, the games re- were rescheduled and set again in uh, 2001, after uh, you know the Twin Towers going down uh, in uh, New York, uh, Sammy Sosa hitting a home run in that first game the Cubs came back and uh, being handed an American flag, a little one, uh, to run around the bases with by the first base coach. That was that was a special moment in time. It was uh, it 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 said an awful lot about uh, our country and about where baseball and the perspective of baseball fit in. And it was uh, something to remember. But this was uh, in recent times, you know, probably as uh, interesting and meaningful because of what our country had been through for the last 14 or 15 months. Uh, because of baseball being uh, empty last year in more ways than one, empty in the stands, uh, empty in our hearts because uh, fans couldn't be there and uh, celebrate it. And, and just the, the noise level and the, um, the way the, the players, um, even uh, media people like myself, responded to this, uh, it, was, it was quite meaningful, David. It, it, it had a, a, a feeling where, you know, the hairs on your neck did stand up because of the fact that for the first time in a long time, we could celebrate, you know, baseball and what it means to our country and our people in the right way. So it was a it's right up there in the special moments for sure. Well, let's go right to that moment, the big one that people will be talking about for years to come. Anthony Rizzo at the plate, Ponce de Leon on the mound for the Cardinals. I think he fouled off eight two-strike foul balls to stay alive. And Anthony Rizzo, who is the master of, of the, the two-strike approach, and he choked up, and you saw you know, the intensity growing, and I think Yadi Molina started to try to slow down the process so his pitcher could concentrate, and, and he got booed a little bit. But everybody's on their feet, Bruce, and on the 14th pitch, I think that's the longest, according to some of the metrics and statistics we heard afterward, that's the most pitches into a plate appearance a Cubs player has, has hit a home run since pitch counts have been tracked back to 1988, and he drills it into right field. And at that moment, was as electric as you will feel at Wrigley Field. And this was what Anthony Rizzo had to say after the game about that at bat. Towards uh, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh at bat, everyone really started getting into it more and more. And it almost, in a way, helped me calm down and relax and just stay in the moment. You know, I just kept saying to myself after I fell off pitches, stay locked in, stay locked in, and calm down. So... It was a good at bat. It's definitely one of my memorable, most memorable at bats. Um, you know, with with being a hundred percent today for the first time, and and having everyone here first the Cardinals. Um, it was a it was a really good moment for me. And one of those moments that meant something in the context of the game, Bruce, because at that time they t- it tied the game, but you didn't get the sense that the Cubs were going to lose it after after clawing back from a five one deficit. Right, and it's not necessarily the way that the Cubs have been winning games. They've been they've been playing close games, uh, and then relying on the bullpen to shut them down. The bullpen did their job again um, yesterday after Cole Stewart, you know, allowed uh, you know some runs early on. That was the same, but uh, adding on numbers um, against uh, their arch rival the way they did that was uh, that was a little different, and it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch, uh, just from the baseball perspective. Uh, the Cardinals have been hurting uh, even more than the Cubs when it comes to injuries. 
over the last 10 days, uh, losing uh, important pitchers. They lost almost a little bit more than half of their starting rotation due to injury. Uh, Molina was hurt for a few days. Uh, it's been it's been tough on them. Uh, Chad Hoyer was asked uh, before the game, David, uh, whether or not the Cubs could put the Cardinals away this weekend. And he goes, mm-hmm. you know, hey, uh, it's a little early to be talking about things like that, but it would be great if we could win uh, this series here. Um, it's always interesting when it's Cubs-Cardinals, but in particular right now with uh, the three-way race between the Cardinals-Cubs and uh, Brewers with Cincinnati getting a little bit hot here over the last 10 days as well. I guess I wouldn't count out the Reds, uh, even though I think it's, it's early and, and they don't look like a team that has maybe they're as equipped to contend as maybe the, the Cardinals will down the road. But I think the Cubs now with the Brewers, who you can never count out, they're tied atop the Central 36-27, and 27, the Cardinals in at 32-31, and 31, and the Reds in fourth place, as you point out, 30-31, and 31, five games back, the Cardinals four games back. Bruce, and I think that uh, you, you look at it's way too early to talk about putting away the Cardinals, but the Cubs bullpen came through again. That was a good day for them. Their starting pitching uh, is is kind of being pieced together at this point. But I, yesterday was was as much about emotion as it was execution. And I think that when you look at what the Cubs were able to do uh, with everything at and there really wasn't anything at stake. It was just they rose to the occasion. Uh, and there's it's it's one of those days that I think um, you look back and people wonder in the, as they get carried away, can it change the direction of a season or can it mark a point that where you started to say, yeah, this season feels like it's a little special? Well, you know, the leadership, uh, you know, starting with the upper management with the Cubs and then, you know, going down to David Ross has been impressive, especially uh, Ross, the way that he's handled uh, all these injuries, all these new players. Uh, plugging people in, uh, getting people day off and rest uh, the way he has with uh, Bryant two weeks in a row, getting a second day off, uh, the way that he's uh, managed to uh, implement all 26 players, the, the way he's managed the bullpen. Uh, it's been really impressive. And uh, then you see their decision before the game yesterday to back up the rotation an extra day, give everybody an extra day off, and and plug in Stewart in this uh, important beginning to the uh, to the, this uh, weekend series with the Cardinals. Now you have Hendricks with an extra day uh, pitching today. Everybody else falling into place. So y- you cannot watch the Cubs on a daily basis and not be impressed uh, the way that David Ross handles this team. He's handled the personnel beautifully and. It, his experience as having been an extra guy and not, not a starter during his career is really showing up, David, as far as understanding extra guys have to be in games to stay fresh. Regulars have to come out of games and get a day or two in a row off to stay fresh. So getting the optimum amount out of the roster is something that has really impressed me um, very much here in the first 60 plus games with the Chicago Cubs. And Bruce, Anthony Rizzo at the center of everything with the home run. He was going to be at the center of everything, uh, regardless, based on his comments before the game, as has been discussed and as we've heard. Uh, he went on WMVP and he talked about his his decision not to get the vaccine. He, we know the Cubs are not one of the teams that have met the 85% threshold. There have been players 
who have resisted that, and Anthony Rizzo identified himself as one of those players uh, before the game, which which brought a lot of attention. It will create a lot of opinions, and then he um, he goes out and he hits the home run, uh, and, and I guess it gives people the opportunity to say he gave the offense a real shot in the arm. Um, but then he <laughs> talked about it after the game, and and, and we'll get to what, what you think about the whole thing, Bruce, but let's hear first from Anthony Rizzo in how he addressed what he said before the game regarding his decision not to get vaccinated. The communication between us and the doctors, are it's, it's never ending. They're, they have everything for us, and they're so upfront. It's like family here, and you know we'll continue to talk and just continue to make those decisions as uh, we move forward. But as of right now, like I said, for, for personal reasons, it's obviously not an easy decision to make, but I think it's best for me and my family right now. For me, it's just one of those things where I'm definitely not against getting it. It's just, I think, said all along to our doctors, just taking some more time to see the data on all of it. You know, there's some personal, definitely personal reasons as well, but it's just one of those things where as we continue to get more data, uh, continue to be more educated on it. And I, I love that everyone gets vaccinated. I'm for it. I, I uh, think it's really amazing to see everyone back in the stands and, and back into normal. Bruce, we're not going to get two hours in on, on what people think about Anthony Rizzo's decision, but I do want to hear from you as far as what you think you were part of those zooms you saw it all go down what was your reaction to how he handled everything post game and his decision well i think as he said it was a family decision between him him and his wife emily uh what they're trying to do with their family if they're trying to start a family may come into this decision uh riz didn't go as far as that but you can if you if you listen to it a couple times you realize he's saying he thinks it's great that other people are getting vaccinated. He's for it, okay? Underline that. I'm for it. But for his own family purposes at this time, he's uh, still holding back. So uh, from that perspective, um, he's probably, uh, you know, he has been getting killed on social media if you care about that much. And the idea of people not understanding why he's not adhering to this so his team can get to the 85% number and have... Uh, less protocols to have to deal with uh, at home and on the road uh, for flexibility and just, uh, you know, a a more relaxed clubhouse. Um, I admire him for standing up and and telling you what it was. I don't think uh, it was necessary for him to tell me or anyone else exactly what his wife and him decided, Uh, but it it was good that he did stand up because he knew once he did say that he hadn't taken it, he was going to get killed. Okay. That, that yeah. is just, that's part and right. parcel of just standing up. So admire the guy for standing up. That's how I look at it uh, as to his decision and whether it's a selfish decision or not impacting the other people. That's not for me to decide. That's for other people in the public to decide individually. Okay, well, I, I don't know that I admire him. I, I'm glad that we know. Uh, I, I don't know that I really re- necessarily respect it. That would be overstating uh, what I feel. I, I, I believe that, you know, Wrigley Field was full yesterday, and, and the only reason that it was at full capacity was because the vaccine works. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing that gets lost in this is that, you know, the, the, the fact that he is ignoring the the progress in the medical science that is at his disposal and i think that's frustrating and it's disappointing and it could be infuriating to some people and i and i get that so 
I guess from my own opinion is that I wonder, I'm surprised that a guy like Anthony Rizzo, where would he be without trusting at some point in his life medical science and the advances made because he is, you know, he has been through a lot personally. So I guess that's was my first reaction. And then I just, I, I don't know that, um, I, I don't know that it was uh, something that, you know, Cubs fans are glad that they know but it was just not something that I fully understand why people wouldn't take advantage of this. But everyone's going to have their own point of view on this, and, and I don't want to turn this into a uh, vaccination show, but I do think that when he addressed it as much as he did yesterday, you know, people are going to have strong opinions on, on both sides of this, and I think that it, we had, we, you, you can't ignore it. Well, I, you're right. It's not, this is not going to be a political show. All I'll, I'll say is that he didn't have to come out and say it, but he did, okay, because people were questioning uh, management, Ross, um, Jed Hoyer, uh, reasons why the Cubs can't get to 85% on a daily basis almost, uh, because 21 teams out there already have, uh, the other nine are not there yet. Um, but again, um, I just think that he felt as a leader of the team, and him, him being in the minority of the group, not getting uh, vaccinated, he felt he had to say something. And the fact that Jed Hoyer has been open about the it puts the Cubs at a competitive disadvantage, Bruce, I guess that's what will be, from a baseball mm-hmm. perspective, a little disappointing is that you have a team leader that is consciously, and other, other guys, not just Anthony Rizzo, but other guys in that clubhouse who are consciously keeping the Cubs at a competitive disadvantage and the other thing that stands out to me is that you have an organization that leans heavily on analytics like every baseball team and and their computer and their pitch lab and all the science that helps them become better baseball players and a better baseball team and they have all this data that they ignore when it comes to whether or not to get a vaccination or not and i just think that's sort of a contradiction that's very difficult for some people to understand it's great that we live in america david because you can make those choices 312-644-6767 if you've got an opinion on what uh, Anthony Rizzo said, what he did in hitting the home run. If you were there at Wrigley Field on Friday afternoon for an afternoon you won't soon forget, we're going to talk on Faulkner, the uh, executive from the Cubs, later this hour about just everything that went well, maybe some things that didn't uh, on a memorable day at Wrigley. We've got John Rooney in the second hour. Bruce, we're going to talk about the Sox who uh, are in first place. They are rolling along 39-24 and 24 after beating the Tigers last night in extra innings. There was a lot that happened there. Um, we've got the Cubs back at uh, Wrigley this afternoon. Tonight, uh, Kyle Hendricks on the mound against Gant for the Cardinals. So we, there's a lot to discuss, and, and there's a lot going on, and just a fun baseball weekend in Chicago. It's always good when you have two first-place teams. We, you know, we haven't been able to say that very often here in Chicago, especially the many years I've been covering. It's just, uh, you know, there, there's only these little flashes of 2008 and uh, 2000 and last year where both teams were playoff bound uh, uh, for over a century. Uh, so uh, we savor the moment of baseball being back, fans being back and two first place teams to cover. That's that's pretty good. Not bad. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And we will be here to talk about what the White Sox are, are uh, facing and also a very interesting night for them in Detroit with Liam Hendricks and the Cubs 
their big weekend ahead because we are here for you 52 weeks a year until 11 o'clock. For Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We're certainly extremely interested in maximizing our chances to win in the 21 season and build upon this lead that we've already established here in the early part of the season. Uh, we've no, made no secret about our aspirations and, and where they lie for this season. Uh, the injuries have created, you know, some obstacles for us here along the way, but hasn't changed what our, what our hope is for, for the long term. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. And that was Rick Hahn, the White Sox general manager, talking about the latest unfortunate injury, Nick Madrigal, on the 60-day injured list with a hamstring tear with the fear being it's going to leave, keep him out longer than 60 days. Surgery is possible, Bruce, and... The White Sox have to face again life without a starter. This is the third that they have lost long-term. Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and now Nick Madrigal running down to first base has become hazardous to the White Sox's health. How do they pivot here? I know they're deep. I know they're talented. I know they have pitching. How bad does this hurt? Well, nobody's that deep, David. Nobody can necessarily absorb without – some uh, repercussions, the uh, losing Robert, losing uh, Jimenez, now losing Madrigal, three of the top young players in the game, not just on the White Sox. Uh, we're talking about, you know, project Jimenez already a young uh, all-star type, uh, establishing only going into his second or third year. Robert only going into his second year, already a gold glove winner, uh, the type of uh, all-around five-tool uh, player that you dream for in an organization and now Madrigal doing what he does best and that's adding contact and speed and uh, kind of uh, just the 1950s go-go White Sox flavor to the White Sox uh, you just can't replace that um, even by trade uh, it's just it's not uh, replaceable but people will stand uh, step up they will do a good job you saw Mendick being an important part of the game yesterday for the White Sox on defense to make a great play to save the tie at the end of the game and uh, getting in base and scoring an important run uh, to put the team up. Uh, he's a good ball player. So if you have good ball players in your organization and they can play a position, as we've seen with the Cubs, finding ball players that can step in and do a job, uh, you don't have to be a superstar to help a team win. The, the, Cubs, the White Sox, though, will struggle 
from time to time offensively without those players. They're going to have to win a lot of games with their pitching, which they're capable of doing. But um, it's it's incumbent upon Rick Hahn and uh, the rest of the White Sox hierarchy to uh, investigate, which they are, uh, check it out, and see if they can make a trade or two that makes sense for a team not to get to the playoffs, David, but a team that's expected to go to the World Series. 312-644-6767. What should the White Sox do now? How desperate of a situation is it losing your third starter out of a lineup, even though you're still 39-24? and 24. You're still in first place with a, with a comfortable four-and-a-half game lead, Bruce. Yes, Danny Mendick has some tools. Yeah, that speed was helpful last night when he scored from third base on the sacrifice fly in the 10th, which turned out to be the winning run. That's a lot of good that you can plug in there for Nick Madrigal, but you're exactly right. The White Sox didn't start this season. Tony La Russa didn't come out of you know, retirement after a decade away from baseball to win the division. They brought him back to win the World Series, and this is what we were talking about Friday in Mully and Haw. I think that this, the urgency, if not is something that the White Sox have to react to immediately, they have to feel it. They've got to feel it because you can't just plug and play guys in your system and hope that they develop well and the next man up, and that sounds good on paper. But you've got to make a move that reflects how you are approaching this season and what you want to get out of it because it's World Series or bust because that is the way you framed it when you hired Tony La Russa. That's true, David. There's no backing away from that. Uh, you know, your point is well taken, and they don't back away from it. They know that uh, they're in it. Uh, talking to Han the other day with a group of other reporters after he uh, told us about the Madrigal injury, uh, he wasn't uh, wasn't afraid to uh, talk about the fact that they were wanting to add on all the way. Let's listen to to, uh, to Rick Han uh, talk a little further about whether or not, uh, you know, mortgaging the future or giving up players he doesn't want to give up could be a part of this uh, trade deadline situation for the White Sox. I'm not too worried about that. You know, you can always say no. You can always say no. Teams know where we're at. Teams know what we're trying to do over the long term. There's been no secret for the last several years about what the vision is for this organization, both in 21 and beyond. Um as a result, you know, we're going to certainly engage, even without any of these injuries, we were going to engage in trade talks about ways to improve the 21 club. Uh, and we always, you know, reserve the right to say no to something that doesn't make sense for us in the, in the short and the long term. The thing of it is, Bruce, and that was Rick Hahn the other day as we talked about his, his reaction to the Nick Madrigal injury. You could get an outfielder. And then you could play Lurie Garcia more at second base. You could get an infielder and then not have to worry about uh, getting, you know, then you can move Lurie and keep him in the outfield. You've got some options and some versatility. There are going to be some guys available. You've mentioned Marte from the Marlins. I think Escobar from the Diamondbacks is going to be on the market. You've got Frazier from the Pirates that a lot of people have mentioned. Uh, there are going to be some options. Seattle. Yep, there, there's names. Uh, I have a proposed deal, David. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I would. Jonathan Stever, one of their fine young starting pitchers, goes to the Chicago Cubs for Patrick Wisdom and Ortega. There's your, there's your plan. <laughs> Bruce, what's that in your coffee cup? What are you drinking this early? <clears throat> Why would they do that? 
No, of course that's not going to happen. Yeah. But uh, that's it, funny. It's, it, it's, it's interesting uh, that uh, as you get closer to the deadline, is there a Sox and Cub trade to be made? Uh, we always say, no, that can't happen. It won't happen. Uh, too many times the Sox or the Cubs have been burned on a Sammy Sosa deal or a John Garland deal. But uh, now, uh, you know, four years away from the Quintana for Eloy and for uh, Cease, um, is, is there still an opening for a Sox-Cub trade I don't of think any so. magnitude? Okay. If the Cubs I mean, were five you, games he, out and disappointing, Chris Bryant rumors would be rampant, but that's not the case. They're going to be I, buyers, not sellers. I will, I will go back and give the historic perspective of the Quintana trade. Nobody, and I mean nobody, had that trade ever happening with the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox when that deal was made. And at the time, it looked like a really good deal for the Chicago Cubs because Quintana was the number two pitcher on the White Sox. He'd been consistent for a long period of time. He was under contract control for a couple more years and just actually did help the Cubs stay a playoff contender for the next two years. As you look at it in 2021, it doesn't sit that well with Cub people. No, I I think for good reason. You look at Cease and you look at Eloy and their futures. It it looked good then, though, David. Yeah. It did. Absolutely, it it did then. It was a helpful trade. Different context, different scenario. Bruce, before we break, I want to ask you quickly, though, we got into it. Well, we disagreed subtle, slightly uh, Friday morning. Trevor Story is a rental. He's a card. He's the Rocky shortstop. He's going to be available via trade. He's got six million dollars probably left on his contract. The White Sox need an infielder. Is that uh, too crazy to consider? I just don't know where you put him. I mean, Tim Anderson is the leader and shortstop of the Chicago White Sox. Is Story a better all-around shortstop? Without question. Uh, but do you get the most out of your leader on the team? A lot of people call Tim Anderson the leader of the Chicago White Sox by asking him to move to second base uh, for the team. Uh, probably not advisable considering he's not used to playing second base. It's not just that easy to start making the uh, double play from that side as well. So you always want a great player, David, so you never say never on that, but it's not not a likely player that they're going to go after. Okay. Well, I had to ask. You know, I, I think anytime it, you have fair. a, a it's chance fair. to I mean, edit, edit the story, you ask him to play second down base, a great maybe. player, right? He could do that. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but anyway, there we'll continue the trade conversations. We'll continue talking about the White Sox who are back at it today. Tonight, Dylan Cease against the Tigers. Dylan Cease, by the way, 7-0 lifetime against the Tigers, 1.91 ERA. That's pretty good. But we're going to talk Cubs next. Colin Faulkner is the Cubs executive who had a lot riding yesterday. Uh, like everybody else, anticipating the first reopening uh, of Wrigley Field. Reop- uh, I think they called it uh, opening day 2.0. It went pretty well. We will talk to him next here on Inside the Clubhouse, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And the pitch on the way. Anthony drives one. Deep right field. It's got a chance. Gone. Home run, Rizzo. That's what we've been waiting for here at the Friendly Confines for a year and a half. Rizzo just wins that battle. The ball game is tied 5-5. 
a line drive home run just under the auxiliary video board in right. It left the park in a hurry. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score with Bruce Levine. I am David Haw here until 11 o'clock. And it's a pleasure now to go out to the score hotline to welcome in the Cubs executive vice president for sales and marketing, Colin Faulkner, who had a lot writing yesterday in terms of planning and details and everything else that happened. Colin, and good morning. And how would you describe what was a very special day at Clark and Addison? Well, that was a, that's a great question. I've been I've been struggling with that for the last um, the last few hours here, just to think about all that went on yesterday and, and really process it and, and put it into words. I, I got up really early uh, with a couple of folks yesterday to do, you know, media interviews before the sun came up. And last night I came home and I couldn't sleep. Um, and it was it was just one of those days where you had you know, multiple goosebump moments uh, throughout the day. And it's just really, uh, I know that there were 35 plus thousand uh, of your listeners there, but, uh, and, and later there'll be more that say they were there, but uh, it was just special. And it was, it was really hard to put into words, um, you know, for those that, that weren't there or, or weren't watching the broadcast, but it was, it was one of the best regular season games I've ever, I've ever been around. It really, it had everything from you know the guests that we had there, the the comeback, the the bat by Rizzo, and it just really had everything. So it was a it was a special day, and it reminds you what a special um, place Wrigley Field is, and it reminds you um, what a special game baseball is that, that that it can bring us together and and unite us, and and the fact that it was in conjunction with you know the opening of the state and the opening of the city, and and in some ways you know, played a part in that. Um, it was just incredibly special on a day that I don't think uh, Cubs fans will soon forget. Colin, that uh, continues today with the uh, the first display of the Wrigleyville you know, uniforms and the, the marketing of Wrigleyville. Uh, clue us in to what's going on there. Um, you know, we, we know there's, you know, the White Sox started their campaign with Southside and now Wrigleyville with the Cubs uh, coming through today and players in those uniforms. So give us a little clue as to what's going on there. Yeah, I think by now, um, you know, fans have seen uh, the City Connect uniforms obviously started with uh, Boston and Miami then the White Sox and, and the Cubs. And there was, a, there was a ton of those jerseys out there yesterday. We, we debuted them this week. Um, and, and the team will wear them on the field today. For us, you know, this, this work started, you know, more than – two years ago um, to, to be a part of this program with the league. And, you know, from a Cubs perspective, the approach that we took was that this was going to be about more than uh, a uniform on the field, more than just a collection of, of, you know, merchandise, you know, this was going to be a platform uh, for us to, to do something a little bit bigger. And so, you know, today uh, we're going to be recognizing, uh, a group called Chicago Young Authors. They were uh, did the work in our debut video of the uniform, uh, and they're doing some really good work. And, and the platform we really wanted to uh, to use is to to unite the city. I mean, Chicago is a city of neighborhoods. Uh, it is the only ballpark uh, situated in in a neighborhood, and we wanted to to highlight that. And you know, if I think the pandemic 
taught us a lot of things. And, and coming out of it, we really wanted to do something uh, that could bring people together and, and highlight the the good that's being done in, in neighborhoods. So we're going to highlight nine different groups between now um, and the end of the season in, in different neighborhoods in Chicago. And, and today will be the first one. So you'll see, you know, through the game presentation to our social channels, we'll be highlighting uh, the Chicago Young Authors Program and then a bunch of uh, other ones coming forward. And so we tried to, you know, display that throughout the uniform, uh, whether it's, you know, jackets, shirts, hats, cleats, um, any part of the collection. And I think the reception has been incredible. Uh, we, we set the record for first day sales of any team through this program, uh, which given the, given the fan base and the support is not, is not surprising. And if you watch the video um, that, we, that we put out there, uh, the authors wrote this piece, these young authors, one of the lines they used was um, Wrigleyville is not just a place, it's a feeling. And if that wasn't more true yesterday, uh, we couldn't, you know, we really couldn't have scripted it any better. Talking with Colin Faulkner, the executive vice president of sales and marketing for the Cubs. And baseball fans, Colin, will look at yesterday and, and measure that by the fact that the Cubs won. So that was a success and they got all the drama they could have hoped for. From your perspective, from as an executive with so many different moving parts, how do you evaluate what happened, and, and what can you tell us about how things went in the in, in the way of efficiency? Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot going on leading up to, to yesterday. We've been building to this day for for quite some time, um, and you know, obviously we're we're evaluated in, in wins and losses, and that's controlled by you know our, our players and our, our baseball organization. But you know, on the business side, we're obviously evaluating it in a number of different ways. You know, one being the fan experience, and and there's certain aspects of the fan experience that we can control, and uh, certain aspects we can't control, and obviously trying to control the ones we can. But there's so many things that we looked at yesterday. Um, you know, bringing people back to work. Um, you know, whether they were ticket takers, ushers, uh, concessions folks, uh, and you know, like a lot of other people in in uh, Chicago and throughout the country. You know, it's it's we're having trouble finding good people, um, and we're fortunate to have a lot of people that have been at Wrigley uh, for a long time. And one of the things I just was thinking about yesterday was, you know, the first day to really have the city open, not have masks, and just to see the faces of the people—not only fans, but workers and and folks that we haven't seen in two years—that are they're part of the Cubs family. Uh, it was really special to see the smiles on those faces. So there's certainly some intangible. Um, things that we look at yesterday, bringing people back to work. And uh, we are hiring. If there's, if there's folks that are wanting to work at Wrigley Field, um, we're, we're, uh, we're open for business there. But, um, you know, obviously ticket sales is, is how we're measured. Um, you know, that's a, a huge component of it. And not being able to have full ballparks up to this point is, has been a challenge. And so, um, you know, we, we've definitely been happy with getting back to 100% and, and getting back to, to more normal. So, uh, all in all, I think yesterday on the things that we can control was was a success. We've always got stuff we need to work on, and and the good news is our fans will will let us know where we can get better. Look, Colin, I have a number of jobs, but I'm I'm always <clears throat> open to a third third or fourth job. So uh, let me know where I well, fill out the application. And uh, yeah, yesterday yesterday we were. Uh, on concessions, I was trying to get Dan Bernstein and John Greenberg to, uh, I, I understand they have experience 
uh, in concession. So we tried to get them, but uh, they're, they're too big for us, too expensive. <laughs> they had, neither one have made any concessions for many years. Uh, <laughs> <if> that's what... <laughs> That would have been fun, and uh, it it is a great. All kidding aside, it's it's so great to see people out of the ballparks again, and you know, concentrating on the ticket part of it. How how much concern did you have? Because I've talked to many executives on, on other teams as well about uh, fans not being in the stands for uh, over a year, and the idea that they found other things to do uh, in summertime last year. The concern of uh, people for teams of getting fans back uh, and getting them used to going to the ballpark again. How high was that for you guys? Yeah, it's something that we talked a lot about. I unfortunately had some experience uh, working in the NHL during the 0405 lockout where we we missed an entire season Um, and certainly saw at the time, you know, fans who chose to spend their money other ways in that year. Uh, and when hockey came back, um, you know, it was, it was a challenge to get, get people back. And you're obviously always trying to keep the fans that, that you have and also grow new fans at the same time. And we've talked a lot about it amongst uh, our counterparts at other Major League Baseball teams. I mean, we're extremely fortunate in that, um, you know, Wrigley Field remains this, this special place that, that people want to come back. But, you know, it's, it's still a challenge. Um, I was describing it to somebody else uh, yesterday. It's almost like election night when they're like, what's the path to get, what's the path to the presidency? You have to get this number of electoral votes and win these many states. And for us to to build the ballpark um, to a full capacity, it's not just flip the switch on. Uh, We have, we start with, you know, the biggest rocks in the, in the bucket are our season ticket holders. Uh, And if you're using that, that analogy of, uh, big rocks first. Um, the season ticket holders are are the big rocks, and then you're filling it up with you know uh, mini plan tickets and group tickets, and then you're ultimately filling it with with single game tickets. And for us right now, uh, you know we brought our season ticket holders back yesterday, but really having five days to sell um, this weekend's games, we didn't have uh, group buyers, which may make up you know 10% of the ballpark. We didn't have uh, partial game mini plan buyers, which may make up another 10% of the ballpark. So, um, in the build to, to 40,000, um, you know, I think we're finding from every team we talked to, you know, Boston and other folks, um, a much shorter window to bring, to bring people back. Uh, a lot of people have already made their, their vacation plans to get out of town. And so I, I think it'll slowly build. Um, and we're fortunate that, that we have such a, a large fan base and a great, attraction at Wrigley Field, and that was on display. Certainly yesterday, I think you'll definitely see that tonight um, and, and tomorrow night. Uh, and it doesn't hurt to have a, a pretty good baseball team on the field either. Colin, thanks you for You know, David and I people. are uh, – yeah, sorry, David. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. I David and I uh, – pr- absolutely. And uh, we're not – David and I are not beyond uh, taking a swag, uh, you know, from – from uh, you know the Wrigley Field, Wrigleyville. You know, uh, I told the White Sox Collection. the same thing about the South Side. So, uh, uh, but uh, where do people go to uh, to to look at uh, the video and and be able to uh, uh, purchase these new items? Yeah, there's uh, on our website and, and our social handles. It's uh, cubs.com/all77. Uh, you know, representing all 77 neighborhoods in Chicago. 
Um, and you'll see a bunch of that uh, through our social channels today. Um, see the collection. Obviously, you can get it, uh, you know, through our store on Michigan Avenue or, or, or at the ballpark. And, you know, maybe one or two of them fall off the truck, um, you know, and end up, uh, end up at the Levine house or, or the Haw house. We'll see if that, uh, <laughs> if that happens. Sometimes those delivery drivers, you know, they just lose stuff on the way. So we'll see about that. Save my baseball jersey, Colin. Send me a hockey sweater. You know, I'm a hockey guy. Uh, you know, David, it's funny that you say it's funny you say that. I actually do have some hockey connections in, in town. So uh, yeah, that, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. We'll talk to her next time. Thanks for your time this morning, Colin. Great to talk to you. All right. Thanks, fellas. See you at the ballpark. <laughs> Colin Faulkner, Take the care. executive vice president of sales and marketing for the Cubs. Bruce, busy second hour ahead. John Rooney, more Sox talk, more baseball talk, more Cubs talk right here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 